Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about rejection. Because if you're the mom of a hard kid, chances are you've seen a ton of rejection in your life and in your child's life over the past however many years. Now, feeling rejected is a terrible feeling. It makes you feel like something's wrong with you or something's wrong with your child or something's wrong with the person who's rejecting you. And it just adds up to a quagmire of feelings and you feel that there are issues of whether or not you're worthy of being loved or whether or not your child is worthy of being loved. But rejection shows itself in so many different ways when you have a child who is difficult. Because in some ways, you see your child and your child doesn't have the same basic skills as all of the kids around them. I think of my child with ADHD and very intense ADHD and she will go and she will try to make a friend and they they like her for the first 20 minutes and then they're overwhelmed by her and then they like it's too much and she's like in their space and it's too much and and she gets rejection and there's there's also times when I have another child who had severe anxiety as a little one and she was the one who was like brushing everyone off and and didn't want to approach anybody in any kind of relationship that you would try to start between your child and your friend's child was just met with a rebuff and you're so embarrassed and you have to deal with this and um in our case now we have a child with reactive attachment disorder so the rejection is aimed at me this kid for the longest time couldn't accept me and I was the one that she was pushing off and I was the one who was rejected and you feel like you know motherhood's supposed to feel a certain way and it was feeling the opposite way like it was not love it was you know (laughs) she had a lot of malice and disdain and hate for me and and that's hard you know when you are raising a child who's hard you can find rejection as the parent You can have rejection as the child. You can have rejection from friends and from family and from your spouse, even when they don't believe you and from rejection from medical professionals. When you enter into this kind of arena, you are going to be rejected a bunch. (laughs) So we're going to talk about not like necessarily what to do about this. But the fact that it maybe is okay. I want to make it so that you're okay with the fact that there's going to be tons of rejection. Because as lovely as it would be if we could provide our experiences on a platter and show them to everyone and everyone's like, oh, I see, you know, and and you could be taken so very seriously for the things that that you are feeling and you are experiencing and that are exhausting to you. Um, but they're not going to. And and we're going to take this day today to tell you why it's going to be okay. So in a previous episode, I talked about how, you know, your therapists might not be understanding you, and they might be viewing you as part of the problem. Again, I'm going to reference chapter nine in the boy who was raised as a dog, where I wasn't there. I don't know what all of the experiences were for the therapist. I just know that um, 
so often the parent is looked at as the problem in any of these situations. You should have raised your kid better. You should have, you know, taught them more. You should have, you know, narrowed down the rules. You should have been lighter and nicer about everything. Like you should have let your child have more room and you, you know, everything's a you should have and none of them are in that experience and they can't tell and they don't know. And I'm going to just, you know, remind you of the fact that these people are not living your life. And because they're not living your life with your experiences, they are not going to know just like if they told you, because this is another thing that I find really interesting. Having in the, in the process of raising a hard kid where someone will say to me, Oh my gosh, you know what my kid did? My kid dumped a bunch of toys out all over the stairs. And me, in my experience, I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh, did you child? You know, I'm not in a place where I can sympathize or relate. And that's not fair either. But you'll find that you can't offer it to other people and other people cannot offer it to you. So first off, you have to stop expecting people to be able to understand your situation. Now, now that you've done that, it does not make everything better. It makes it, in my opinion, it makes it so that the hurt that you feel and the difficulty you feel doesn't trip you for a long period of time. Because if you are already feeling hurt because you're rejected, if you amplify that by having a bad relationship with a person who has rejected you, then you're just going to be in trouble. Now, for a second, I want to focus in solely on reactive attachment disorder and the rejection or any, any disorder, oppositional defiance disorder, mood disorders, all of the things in which your child doesn't like you. Because <laughs> because every kid has a moment where they don't like their parents. Every kid has a moment where they're like, you hate me or oh, I hate you. You know, every kid has those moments. But when you are in a relationship with a child who is absolutely vehemently against who you are as a human being, Um, that's reactive attachment disorder for a lot of us. (laughs) But it also, I mean, there's a span there where there are other kids where that's where they sit most of the time. And, and it's painful because you have this desire in your heart at what parenting should be, and it's not happening. And so when your kid comes up to you and your kid is like, actively trying to make your day bad, just being awful. It's, and you're feeling that rejection. I just want to say, I need you to step back. I want you to step back and I want you to say, I need to shift my expectations in this relationship. So with my situation, my daughter has reactive attachment disorder. She's come a long way and we're very proud of her, but And she's really young, so a lot of this might seem a little weird at first, but I hope you'll just stick with me for a minute. So the things that she would do were absolutely to make my life awful. You know, I I have a list 
but it is kind of hard to explain because it's all like regular stuff, but it would just never end. And when I say never, I mean never, it never ended. So it would, I have like this detailed list of one of the days I was so burnt out that I just started typing what she did in every minute of the day. And then, you know, break a necklace, walk over here, rip a book, walk over there, do this. And in this whole time, I am actively parenting. I am not like, you know, walking away or just observing. I am actively parenting her. No, we don't do that. Do you see this? This is the consequences. This is this and this is not okay. And if you did this, like all of the things I can't even, (laughs) I can't even believe how much time I spent into this. But I had a child who was you know, would laugh in my face when I'm mad and who, who was, you know, so thrilled at any time when I would finally lose it. And I'd finally either cry or be angry. And then she would just sit there with the biggest smile on her face because she got what she wanted. And, and it was, it was a big thing wrestling wise. But when I realized you know what? I need to quit searching for a relationship here. I don't need to have a normal, quote unquote, you know, relate normal relationship with this kid. My job is to keep her safe. My job is to teach her. My job is to, you know, help her with the parameters she needs in order to be an adult as she gets older. My job is to help her become a functional adult in the future. And I needed to say my job isn't to seek out a loving relationship here. I didn't get this with this one. I that cannot be here. And for those of you who have reactive attachment disorder children, I'm going to throw in that this was a very helpful way to approach our relationship. And at this point, we do have some loving times now because The pressure of needing a loving relationship is too much for some of these kids. Some of these kids are so frazzled that they can't even hit that area where they're like, okay, yes, acceptance and love. You have to take it out of the equation. Now, for many of you who have children that might not have reactive attachment disorder or some serious mood disorders, and they're just difficult kids, absolutely leave the love in there. Absolutely. Sometimes the extra hug is the best thing. You can scoop up your kid and you can just squeeze them and that will speak to them and they will love that. But to other kids, that ends up being a problem you hug your kid and you can assure yourself that some of your stuff is going to be broken later that day. It, when it comes to children with reactive attachment disorder, or specifically my child, anytime a relationship would start to flow, she would get uncomfortable. Because if you think about it, their, their baseline is neglected. Their baseline isn't love. It is um, showing, showiness for attention so they can get what they want. It is, um, you know, scrambling in a survival mode to figure out how to get their needs met, but it isn't love. 
They don't understand caring. They don't understand snuggles. They don't understand this. And you can gradually introduce this in a way. Uh, One of the therapies we did actually was to snuggle and feed her something. That was the rule. And what you're supposed to do is the therapist was like, give her snacks. And I was like, that seems so weird to be like chomp 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 (laughs) while I'm sitting while she's laying across my lap you know at the time she's three years old and we switched it to one of those vitamin c powder drinks so I put that in a sippy cup for her and then held her like a baby and fed her like that now over the span of a year and a half that became something that she was okay with but at the beginning I had to tell her hey we have to do this because the therapist said we had to do this. I didn't fake any of the love and the come on snuggly bugly because I didn't feel any of the love. She didn't feel any of the love. So instead of love, it was forced stuff. And your child doesn't need force. Because if your child doesn't end up with a personality for caring, which mine did, mine does now, she can care about things. But if your child doesn't have that, forcing it will just be in a place of confusion for this child. They'll just sit there and be like, uh, this is gross. <laughs> like, like anytime you try to have a relationship with somebody and you force it, that being forced is a pretty obvious feeling. And these kids can feel it. And if they have reactive attachment disorder, very often, they're very in tune to the parent and their what their facial expressions are and what their tensions are and the feelings between the parents. So if you can offer your child the feelings of, you know, honesty and calm, even if it's not always like love, you know, they they talk about love is the answer. And I'm like, no, sometimes the way that you show your love is different than the way that love is the answer for everybody else. The way that I showed my love is I kept getting up in the morning and I would keep trying, even though there wasn't the typical love that you feel for your kids because you are fighting so hard just to make it through the day. I One of the things that really helped me too with her is I would explain it. And I would say, you know what, I need you to learn this rule, because one day you're going to be a grown up. And you're going to need to know this rule. So I'm going to help you learn it. That's my job as your parent is to, you know, raise you to this particular thing. And it really took a lot of pressure off for her about the approval process, like, oh, do I need to, you know, when she wanted something, did she need to have that approval from me or, or she didn't want the approval, so she needed to fight me. And it just took that out of the equation. That was a really big helpful thing for our situation with reactive attachment disorder. Because when you have rejection from your child, it is, it's just... (laughs) It's just an extra weight if that, I mean, so much of raising difficult kids is trying to prioritize where your energy needs to go. When your child needs so much of you, you have to prioritize where that goes and you have to simplify what you spend your energy on because your child drains so much of that energy. And I say that for any of you children listening, that that's, okay. Like it's not like any of us are without our difficulties. 
your child has a difficulty and your parents have a difficulty and your friends have a difficulty and we all have something. So I hope that it doesn't, um, if for any children listening, I hope it doesn't, you know, wear you all the way through thinking that you're tiring because some kids are, and some kids, you know, as long as people are developing in the right path, then that's great. So let's talk about rejection from your family. This is really hard because what I find the most in like looking at my support group page um, is a lot of people are so desperate for those people to help them or to to understand them and all of and all of that stuff that we've talked about previously where you know they're not going to but you want it you need the support group and there's no support group and rejection from friends this one (laughs) this was a big one for us because when my little lady was little she was still manageable enough that I could take her places but after two years old so she, her symptoms started showing up at 18 months. After two years old, I can't take her to anything anymore. I can't go out with my friends who have little kids. I can't go out with my friends and bring her because she didn't want to share my attention. So she would spend so much time seeking my attention. And then if I would be, you know, moms do sometimes where you're like, just a minute, I'm talking to a Veronica over here. You know, when you would, when you would do that, she would then do bad things. So she'd either, you know, break stuff or she would throw a gigantic tantrum. And there was no way I could spend time with my friends. Even if she enjoyed their children, there was this weird obsession with me that most children don't have. And and I lost my friends. I lost them in two ways. Number one, there's a stress when you go out with friends and and your kids don't like each other. And so because, you know, they'd make it about 20 minutes and then they couldn't handle her anymore. And so then they want to go home. You know, you just sort of were like, oh, well, this isn't as good a fit as I was hoping. And the truth is, if that's your kid that has been rejected, I want you to, and this is not a solution. This is just a framing in your mind. Because your, your mind is already taken up with so much space in so many places. I just want you to remember that if it was your kid who hated the other kid, you wouldn't go either. And I can already feel the massive amounts of parents who are just like, well, everyone, everyone should love my kid. And, and you're a jerk for saying that. I don't care if I'm a jerk. It doesn't make it not true. <laughs> you might not want to hear it. It doesn't make it not true because especially the type A mothers, I can promise you that if a child didn't like, I mean, if your child didn't like another child, you would not be messing around so much of your time in that attempted friendship. You would just be like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not hanging out with such and such because of their snarkiness. And we've all been on the other side of it. I know that I have been bashed down by a couple ladies, which you can probably hear by the way I'm talking. (laughs) But um, the rejection that you have from people also know, know this, that sometimes it's a really good idea to have that separation from people. So it sometimes makes raising this child easier, even though it seems sad, because rejection has been included. 
But sometimes you don't really want that interaction with that other set of children or um, even with some of the parents that you come across. Raising difficult children is too hard to have difficult external relationships to. You, and this is an unfortunate reality that there might be a better option for, but you spend so much of your time focused on this difficult child that, you know, to, to offer yourself more difficulty (laughs) is actually not beneficial for you. It doesn't help. And it, and, and you'll eventually come through your child will either start school or will, you know, something will happen and that will give you a break somewhere every once in a while. But sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's okay that you have a friend and that friend is not a good fit for the moment. I've been alive long enough that I've had some friends rotate through the years where we are friends for a while and then it kind of fizzles out just because of circumstance. And then six years later, you're like, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you and things rekindle and there it is. And, and so sometimes it's not that season for that person and that friend. And it might be later. But right now the attention, unfortunately, ends up on your kid and not spreading out your energy is actually a good thing. You'll find, I think, and a lot of times it's a good thing. And I know some people are like, but I need somebody. (laughs) And I hear you. I do. But unfortunately, the right kind of somebodies are pretty rare. And you don't want the wrong kind of somebodies. You don't want the ones that tax your system more. You want the beneficial ones. And when you're, you're dealing with the added situation of having a child with you, you want that child's rejection situation to also be light. And sometimes that's the sacrifice you make as a parent. As you say, hey, best buddy, we can go out after kids in bed. Or, hey, best buddy, my husband's home, we can go out. Or, hey, best buddy, uh, I got a babysitter, we can go out. And then not really include the kids in it. And then when your friend says, hey, how come our kids aren't getting together? Which I guess would be you rejecting them. Um, you know, life's complicated, but if they have rejected you and they still appreciate your friendship, they just don't want their kids to be around your kid. We have, you know, feel free to offer yourself in that relationship with that friend and to understand that it really might be for the best that your kids are not friends. So what do you do parents? What do you do when you hit that point where no one is your child's friend? Because I know that that's happening with some of you out there. When you work so hard to help your kid and you love your kid so much and then they have no friends and you're like, what do I do? Where do I step in this role? I wish I could fix this. We actually have this problem right now. My little lady, she wants to be everybody's friend. But she's really taxing for a lot of the people her own age. And we have the added issue that I can't put her in anything. I put her in dance. Oh my gosh, she just ran around the room and screamed. I put her in tumbling because I was like, oh yeah, well that'll be good. Nope, she just threw everybody's stuff everywhere and ran around and screamed. And 
any kind of, you know, extracurricular thing I put her in hasn't worked until I found soccer and I put her in soccer and she is, (laughs) it was a good fit for her. So finding an extracurricular activity can be really good, but I also understand some kids do not do well, but going on walks together and, and going to a support page or starting one of your own for your area. You know, if you have adopted your child, there are a lot of adoption groups that meet up in different times. And a lot of times kids in our experience seem to do really well with kids that are like them. And so you can get together with these groups, but you really have to be proactive about it and know that that relationship they're making that's secondary is secondary for a reason. Rejection from friends is hard. I think rejection from family is harder because you needed them to be there for you because they're your family. And when they are like, I can't have you here, this kid is too crazy. And you go to visit somebody and they're like, your kid is destroying my house. I, I can't have you over anymore. Like this is a, this is a painful road, but I want to just put it in perspective for you just to see if it helps, not because it's a solution, but just to see if it helps, but to know that this is not going to be forever. You're not always going to have a really difficult kid. And when I say that, you might always have that kid and that kid might always be difficult, but that kid might end up in a class and you'll have an hour and your kid might mature a little bit. I have seen children who have not matured, but most of them find something to do that matures. And you can also say, hey, you know what, I can't let you at such and such's house when you behave like that. So we'll go when you're ready to behave. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, well, when you show me that you're ready here, by behaving in this particular way, whatever parameters you set. And then then we can go give it a try. And you can say to that person in your family, hey, mom, I've been working really hard. Can we just try this again for a half hour? They really enjoy your company. Can we just try it for a half hour? You know, set up a thing and then say to the child, hey, we can go visit grandma, but, you know, only for a half hour. Okay. Like, mine is really excited. (laughs) Yours isn't excited. I suppose the rejection isn't as big a thing, but it won't be forever. There will come a time where something will shift. And I know there's a desperation there because I, I trust me, I know when you're living in a world of hard, sometimes all you can do is just try to reframe it because it's not going to change. The only thing that can change is your perspective. So you can spend your time and you can teach your child and that change can happen really slow. But the fastest way you're going to have change is if you change your expectations and change your perspective. So in a previous episode, I talked about when your spouse doesn't believe you and and the rejection you feel from a spouse. spouse. And so in my, in my attempt to reframe here, I just want to remind you that they don't know. They don't know how burnt out you are. You just like you don't know how burnt out they are. You don't know how burnt out each other are. 
chances are if you have somebody who has reactive attachment disorder or but a lot of kids I think show this in some ways, probably not as extremely, but in some ways where secondary spouse comes home and the primary caregiver person who's been with this child for the the largest largest percentage of the day is burnt out and worn out and gets the brunt of things. And then when the other person comes in, there's been a shift and whether or not they're like relationships and, and whatever that is, the simple shift can sometimes change your child's attitude. You know, they, they say that thing where they're like, Oh, if your child is whiny, that means they love you and you're a safe place for them. (laughs) I'm like, cool. That sounds terrible. I don't have any answers except to say you don't understand each other because you guys have totally different days. And as unfun as that is, and it's many words has come out of your mouth to try and describe it to this person, they are not going to understand. Now, one of the great places you can get is you can say, hey, I want you to just acknowledge that you don't understand you're going to have to trust me. When you have that rejection from a spouse, especially, you know, with the divorce percentage being so high, when you have these kinds of high needs kids, it can it can be a big one. The next thing and last thing I'm going to talk about is rejection from medical professionals. This one gets me really hard. I have a very hard time with this because I think a lot of this comes from a place of ignorance from medical professionals. And I'm speaking more so about therapists than I am about maybe pediatricians, but we've all been there. We've all shown up to the pediatrician's office or the therapy office or wherever it is and said, Hey, here's my issue. And been like, Oh, mm -hmm. well, we're just going to wait on that. That mm -hmm," it becomes like just the worst sound in the world because they in my opinion, should try harder to understand because that they've been educated that way. Now, again, I said in another episode, I'm sorry to keep referencing it like that. When you go through the education and the schooling, you get six paragraphs of information about these kinds of things. When they have more experience, they learn, oh, well, this often works and that often doesn't work. But the biggest person that you're going to have is yourself and advocating for you. And this is why I think it's so important to learn about things, to be able to go into the doctor's office, because if you know it, you're not going to wait for them to carry it for you. You're not going to wait for them to figure it out. You're not going to have to worry about all of that, because that is, again, a stressor on you when you don't have any more space for that stress. But if you know it, and they say, Oh, well, isn't that this and and you're like, actually, I think this is a different situation. No. And to be able to stand up for yourself and know that they're not going to know. And they're not going to care. I, I have one who is medicated. Same one. It's usually the same one. But I I go in and I say, hey, this is what we're experiencing. And he's like, okay, here's medicine. Okay. And then how's the medicine going? It's, it's okay. Like, it's okay. This is, this is also a problem. 
okay, it was, it, he just didn't care. And, and you're not going to find somebody who dives in as deep and cares about your kid as much as you do. It's just not going to happen. If you were sitting on your front porch and every neighbor came over and brought your kid and told them all of, told you all of their issues, you don't have the capacity, even without an, you're a hard kid of your own, you don't have the capacity to offer caring in each and every one of those situations, because it requires more than the average human being has. I know that you want answers. And I know you want like a perfect person to come save you. But they don't exist. Well, they might, but the chances of us finding them are probably pretty rare. I do believe that somebody out there probably understands the the difficulties that I have in my child's relationship. I just, they're not accessible to me. Our best therapist we have doesn't really have a clue. She just believes me. And if you do find yourself kind of alone on this journey and it's hard and you're, you're battling the winds and you're climbing up sand dunes and you're just like, it's a nightmare. You're stronger than you realize. You are capable of weathering the storm, even though it is ridiculous. And when you tell people, they're never going to believe that the storm was that bad. But you are capable of weathering this storm. You have endured many like it. You have a tougher skin than you've ever had before. You have an endurance that you didn't even know was possible. You are broken down and you are tired and you're still going to make it. It is a hard thing to have the people whom you've always relied on reject you. And it's hard to be left standing alone and being the only one who is fighting for something that you think is important. You have it in you. You are capable. And your child is worth it. And I wish all the best and hope that these really difficult times end up being really short in the grand scheme of life and that you still have wonderful things that happen in the years to come. Thanks for listening.